singles hi this is pastor derek disuza and uh, good morning to you on this episode we'll be dealing with uh, one of the questions that uh, you know we keep getting from singles and that's to do in the area of choosing the right partner so the question that we are going to address in this episode is you know can i marry an unbeliever or someone who doesn't know jesus uh you know we have many uh, in a, you know in our church setting we see many christian uh single believers uh male and female you know pursuing uh unbelievers with the intent of you know changing them because they are good and uh many a times uh you know it starts off that they are you know the, the other person is a very good person and ends up finally in marriage and after that uh you know all kinds of other kinds of problems enter in so we're going to see uh, you know from god's word what god says about this question uh you know with regards to marriage how do you go about choosing the partner and what you should do what are the prerequisites or what what kind of partner you should be looking for so our text that we are going to be looking at today is 2 corinthians 6:14 to 18 i'm just going to read it straight out uh first of all if just to let you know that the bible is the highest authority in god's word let no man deceive you even if somebody comes and tells you otherwise god has given us the bible so that he can guide us this is the very heart of god and uh, if you obey it you will do well in preserving your life and you know enjoying success in the land of the living so with that being said i'm not going to teach on the authority of the word of god but we all know that the word of god is active and alive it's sharper than any double edged sword it cuts through bone and marrow and dividing the the spirit from the soul and judging the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart so i just pray lord even as we go into your word that the word will come alive and confirm and change us so 1 Corinthians 6:14 says do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common or what fellowship can light have with darkness what harmony is there between Christ and Belial what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever what agreement is there between the temple of god and idols for we are the temple of the living god as god has said I will live with them and walk with them and I will be their people and I will be their god and they will be my people therefore come out of them be separate says the lord touch no unclean thing and I will receive you I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters says the lord almighty <coughs> amen now let me just tell you what this does not say it does not say that you do not need to have unbeliever friends it does not say that you cannot work you know at a, a, probably an establishment that is run by unbelievers the bible tells you very clearly you need to be a light in darkness the bible tells you you need to be a city on a hill the bible tells you you need to be salt that preserves that you know is there always to change so god is not telling us to sit you know with a flock of believers and be happy but when it comes to marriage 
uh, in this particular verse there's a kind of yoking which god is saying do not come under because when it comes to marriage you are literally yoked together in fact you're not yoked together the bible says for it is written that the two shall become one so it is even beyond yoking it is a it is a place where two bodies or two spirits turn become one and is blessed by the covenant of marriage so god god is saying number number 1 rule is do not be yoked with unbelievers and then he gives you certain comparisons so he's asking what is the commonality between a believer and unbeliever and he compares that to righteousness and wickedness why you may say it's simple because god's seed is in you and you are made righteous because your body is a temple of the holy spirit so god is saying what is the believer have to do with the unbeliever and then he goes on to compare fellowship and he say uses light and darkness as an example how can light and darkness have fellowship so you know when the light comes the darkness has to leave or when darkness comes it means light has already gone so there can never be fellowship because whenever light comes darkness has to leave and that's the same when a believer is joined with an unbeliever every time a believer wants to do something which is in the in the you know coming up of the righteousness of god it is going to be countered by the spirit of the unbeliever he goes even further to say what is the harmony he's comparing it to a musical instrument so if any if any of you are playing music and you know if you play a note which is off while a chord is being strung it 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 totally is in you know disharmony there is no harmony there's nothing that can be harmonious in the life of a believer and unbeliever when they come together so you can definitely expect strife you cannot expect the peace of god that surpasses all understanding in your marriage why because the other person has not yet come into the light of god has not yet been made righteous and then he goes further to talk about the agreement and he uses his example of the temple of god and idols you know your body the bible says in 1 corinthians 6:19 and 3:16 he talks about your body being the temple of the holy spirit and that your body was bought with a price therefore honor god with your body the bible also says he who unites himself with the lord is one with him in spirit that's 1 corinthians 6:17 So what God is saying is what agreement can there be with the temple of God your body is where God lives that is your temple when you get married with an unbeliever the unbeliever comes in with his own rules regulation his beliefs all his practices his traditions and that is soon going to defile you that's why God says do not be yoked with an unbeliever because my dear brothers and sisters it's going to do you much harm much much harm and you want marriage to be a uh uh you know a uh, a symphony a harmonious symphony where you know there's peace in your house there's joy in your house you are happy it should not be a place where there's always conflict there's always dispute there's always fights and this is exactly why he's giving us these guidelines he's saying there can be no similarity there can be no commonality between a believer 
an unbeliever, righteousness and wickedness, light and darkness, Christ and Belial, the temple of God and idols. He goes and gives us these four points which try to show us that if you are embarking on getting married to an unbeliever, you are looking outside of the body of Christ or you are looking at somebody who has not made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior and you have, you are putting yourself in a place where you can expect trouble, you can expect no peace in your life, you can expect animosity, you can expect all kinds of things because you are, uh, you know, you are basically being yoked with someone who is not of the same, uh, who is not of the same uh, structure, the the spiritual structure. And I, I think, you know, I'd like to relate marriage as an issue of the heart. I think that's what God is really trying to say and really trying to tell all of us here. Because marriage, as you all know, you know, we are married to the Lord. The Bible says anyone who unites himself with the Lord is one in spirit. When we become born again, we've united ourselves with the Lord. So there's already a covenant which is in place. When you get married, that is another covenant. And what God wants us to do is grow from glory to glory. When we go ahead and unite ourselves with unbelievers, we are like going another step backwards. And I'd like to talk about, you know, King Solomon, David's son. David was known as a man after God's heart. And Solomon, as you may know, uh, he was one of, he was David's son and he was on the throne. And, you know, God blessed him with one of the greatest gifts that no man has, you know, on the earth besides Jesus himself. Jesus was the wisdom of God. But he asked God for wisdom and God gave him, you know, wisdom to such an abundance that, you know, people from all over the world would come to just have audience with Solomon. So remember one thing, Solomon had intelligence because he had knowledge. The Bible clearly tells you that he had so much knowledge that he indulged in so many different kinds of arts. And uh, he also had wisdom, that is the application of knowledge. So he knew how to apply that knowledge. But the, the Bible tells you something really shocking about Solomon and how God viewed him. Even though this man was filled with the wisdom of God. In 1 Kings chapter 11, I'm reading from there. He says, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Sidonians, the Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. So Solomon, I'm jumping to six, so Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as his father had done. And in verse 11, Verse 9, this is what it says, The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel who had appeared to him twice. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. 
So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is your attitude, and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. You know, here is a beautiful example of God's unfailing love to David, who was known as a man after God's heart. And Solomon, who at his end of his life was known as someone who did evil in the sight of God. Here was a man filled with the wisdom of God. God granted him wisdom like no other man on the on the earth. And yet in all his wisdom, he could not understand one principle of God. And that is that you do not intermarry with women or you do not intermarry with men who do not know the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, do not know Jesus. Because what it does is, it is going to turn your heart. Because marriage is an issue of the heart. And God places a huge amount of value on your heart. The Bible says in Proverbs that, our, guard your heart with all diligence. Because from it flows the issues of all of life. And marriage is basically an issue of the heart. Because you and your spouse or, you know, if you're getting married to a girl um, who is an unbeliever, both of you are going to become one flesh. And that's why God is saying, you need to be yoked at the right level. You need to be having the same seed so that you have great offspring, so that God can bless it. But remember, God cannot bless something that is not at peace. Therefore, uh, singles, I just want to, you know, tell you if you are in a relationship right now that is not honoring God when I say not honoring God it's not according to God's word I would carefully ask you not to even pray about it but to make a decision because honoring God is about making decisions you don't have to pray about something you already know what God has said about you need to stand up in faith and say God I'm sorry apologize to the other person that you have broken their heart but honor God because when you honor God there's always a blessing. I've seen so many people try to compromise on this and say, oh no, he's a great guy, he's a good guy. But you know, good is not God. Good is not enough. If good was enough, Jesus would have not come and died for us. And especially the heart above all is wicked, says the Lord. Because only God knows the heart and he weighs it. That's why I would encourage you to choose well. If you made a wrong decision and you have not yet been married, there's still time. Make the right decision because you're going to save yourself from a lot of trouble. God's word is here so that it can warn us about the trouble that is coming. Again, I just want to put a disclaimer. If you've already been married to someone who is an unbeliever, God's word for you is to stay there and to be a character of Jesus, to display his character. God is not telling you now, go divorce the person. God, if you have done something and already in a marriage where you are with an unbeliever, again I say do not leave because that would be wrong. But repent, come to the Lord, turn your heart back to God, ask God for grace. And the Bible has a promise about the unbelieving, the unbelieving husband will turn the believe, uh, sorry, the believing husband will turn the unbelieving uh, woman to the Lord and vice versa. So you can hold on to that promise and say, God, I made a mistake, but I want to stand on your word and I want my family to be saved. Uh, pray and ask the Lord. God will use you in mighty ways, but above all, make sure you're a witness of God's love. So with that, I'd like to end this episode. 
on uh, uh you know choosing the right partner i hope i've been able to explain to you uh, remember at the end of the day if you put god's word first you can expect blessings even if you have to wait wait because the wait is good because god finally puts marriages together he brings hearts together if you do not have the right one don't rush into it know that god has a plan for you and he's never late god bless you and uh, see you once again in another episode